Our generation barely has a chance to plan ahead for the weekend, let alone the future. We earn less, we work more, we're more time poor, and if you live in a city, you may struggle to ever own your own home. So when it comes to saving and planning for the future, you can forget about it, right? After all, how can you plan for a future when you are living month to month? Well, don't despair just yet. There are steps you can take and all is not lost, so don't hamstring your future self by not planning for it. This week, we're going to find out exactly how you can go about that in a changing landscape in this week's episode of the Bonkers Guide to Adulting. So, you want to save and retire. And just a disclaimer, we had some technical difficulties this week, so the audio is not perfect, but we tried to get it as good as we can. So, again, apologies about that. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Bunker's Guide to Adulting with your host, me, Connor Dever. Today I'm joined by Greg Dixon. He is a fellow of the Irish Institute of Pension Managers. He's a qualified pensioner manager. He has 22 years of experience and he is currently the regional sales manager for uh, New Ireland. Greg, thanks so much for joining me. No problem, Connor. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, Greg, we're going to talk today about uh, savings and retirement. Now, um, this podcast series is going to kind of delve into topics that you know we weren't really taught about in school um, but I suppose I think the first thing we should talk about first is kind of good savings tips and then we'll move later on in the podcast into kind of more um, advice around pensions and things like that and planning for retirement but um, when you're talking about savings there are some good practices to get in some best practices to get in um, can you kind of shed any light on that? Yeah, well, when it comes to, to savings and regular savings, the key thing is, is that every individual that we certainly speak to on a day-to-day basis is different. So some of your listeners will have surplus income at the end of every month that they might use to put away and save for a rainy day. Um, other listeners may have to forego some, some of their expenditure to actually start saving money because when you're saving money, there has to be an end game in mind. So um, when you're looking at how much should I save? It really is, what am I saving for? So what's the end game here for your listeners? So some of your listeners may be looking to, who have young children who are considering that they'll have to ch- save for their children's education. So they've got a perhaps a 20 year time horizon before they have to draw on that income. Some of your listeners may want to save for a car and they may want to get that car in the next year or two. So in terms of saving, you really have to see what the end game is, how much do I have to save? And in terms of getting into a routine, it's all about actually getting used to that money coming out of your account every month. And the sooner you can get it out of your account after you get paid, the better, because the more money you can save directly after your income goes into your account, the better chance it is that you'll actually continue that. So from a savings tip, we would certainly recommend that the sooner you can actually get it back out of your your, your bank account having come in from your salary, the more likely you are to get used to surviving with the income that's left every month in terms of the expenditures that you have to pay out, be it rent or mortgage, et cetera, et cetera. So, so let's say you get paid on the 25th mm-hmm. of every month. You'd kind of advise maybe setting up maybe like a direct debit uh, coming out the 26th or Absolutely. even the 25th in the yeah. evening. Absolutely. No, definitely. Um, and the sooner you can do that, the better. We all know when we have a direct debit that comes out of our account with a week left of payday, we're more inclined to say, well, how can I cut back on that direct debit? How can I reduce down my whatever it is I'm paying for you. Can I ring my utility company and try and reduce my my rates that I'm paying or my my TV provider? Should I get rid of the sports channels or the movie channels because they're coming to the end of the month, I'm not getting paid for another week. Whereas 
I think if you have those direct debits set up, and, and your listeners are probably doing that already, so any any direct debits that they're currently paying out in terms of their mortgage um, or any other loans they may have, they probably have them structured already to come out as soon as they can after after payday. And we would definitely recommend that when it comes to savings as well. It gets you used to the habit. It gets you used to surviving on what you have left. Um, and that tends to, to make it easier for your, your listeners to save down on a regular basis. Yeah, so you mentioned there kind of like, um, there has been, I suppose, a pivot to uh, subscription models with businesses, you know, the likes of Netflix, Spotify, Amazon, Adobe, even for those of us who work in kind of creative fields. Subscribing to too many of them would probably be considered as a bad savings habit. Are there other kind of other savings habits that you would like tend tell people to avoid? Yeah, I mean, it's... Are there any other bad habits that people get out of, like, you know, buying coffee in the morning and those, those sort of things? Yeah, you know? it's, 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 it's kind of that tenor a day that you have in your back pocket that seems to disappear. Like, you, 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 you buy your coffee, you got to get some lunch. You, you, as you said, you have other subscriptions, but your things that you're doing on a daily basis, that, I don't know about you, but when I come home in the evening time, I look at my wallet and I say, where did that 10 or 15 or 20 euro go today? I, I can't actually remember because we tend to have these habits that we just throw away a couple of, a few bob here and there. And... It's interesting when you when you look at the cost of a cup of coffee every day. But I mean, we're up now at depending on where you go, three, three fifty. Yeah, Ireland's the most expensive place in Europe, I think, to get a cup of coffee. Yeah, there so. you go. So um, before you used to give a fiver for a pint and you got changed. Now you don't. Now you give a fiver for a cup of coffee and you rarely get some change as well. When when you add that up, and you you know you think of thirty days a month on average. So thirty days a month by four quid a day. I mean, that's 120 quid a month that we're spending on coffee. Some people have two cups of coffee a day. A lot of people have two cups of coffee a day. It really starts to ratchet up. So when you can kind of say to yourself, well, how can I budget so that some of this expenditure can actually be siphoned off to maybe instead of having two cups of coffee a day, you have one. Instead of having a premium subscription to something, you might go for a slightly, you know, knock a couple of quid off it. You know, bonkers are excellent through their website are looking at utility bills. So every 12 months, you should be reviewing your utility bills. I personally did myself and I've saved a fair few bob a month that I can now use that to, towards saving. So it's actually trying to, you know, instead of paying for utilities or other subscriptions, you're giving your money away all the time. And that's great. I mean, we all need Netflix. We all need Spotify because we're there. But we need them because we've got used to them and we've got used to paying for them. So now we don't even think about the 15 quid that comes out for Netflix or Spotify. It just happens. We need to see how can we cut back on certain things that we're paying into. But instead of just letting that money dwindle away on something else, we have it going. So there's a focus for that money to go into something else, i.e. a savings account. And when you do that, you do get used to it and you get used to that money going into the savings account. And before you know it, you're five or six months down the line and you've got four or five hundred quid built up. Now it starts to make sense and you won't have missed it. You know, you won't have missed that hundred quid a month, 50 quid a month, 200 quid a month, whatever it is you can afford. But I would definitely consider in terms of habits, having a look at your monthly direct debit, you know, your monthly account, see where all your DDs are going out, see what you can save on, and then using that money then for, for better use, i.e. put it into your bank account rather than the subscription bank account. The bank statements make pretty grim reading though sometimes. <laughs> um, so what you're kind of saying is there's no quick fix for it. It's kind of, it's, it's, it's a lifestyle adjustment. You kind of have to be mindful of everything that you're spending. It really is. It really is. And but it's using, like you, you can make those adjustments. But if if you took out a car loan today and it's going to cost you two hundred quid a month, you'd find a way of paying for it. You 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 would do it because you have to do it. So by taking out a loan and then repaying that loan, you're paying interest on the loan. 
but you're forcing yourself to cut back that 200 euro a month to pay for the car loan. This is kind of looking at it a different way. This is kind of looking at saying, right, I'm going to put that 200 euro a month into a savings account because I know if I get some growth on that and my 200 quid a month is going in every month for the next two or three years, I'm going to build up enough money to get myself my first car or if I trade in a car, I now have some circumstances to put to it and get a better car. So we all can get used to repaying loans very quickly, i.e. it's going to cost me 150 or 200 euro a month. You'll get used to that tomorrow if you have to. You'll make it happen. Same thing happens when it comes to savings. Hmm. Absolutely. So I'm kind of, I'm coming to the end of my 20s now. <laughs> At the end of my 30s, I was going to say there for a second. I'm coming to the end of my 20s now. I'm kind of 27. So when, when should you start thinking about retirement? Seven years ago. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting one. Like retirement is something that we really don't consider. You're 27, I'm 40. We don't really consider like we're going to live forever. We're, we're earning an income now. We're always going to have that income for the rest of our lives. It's not going to happen. We're, we see the, the pension age, the, the state pension being pushed out to 66, 67, 68. So where in the past you may have relied on the state pension after you retire. We're looking at about 12,900 every year that you're getting from the state pushed out to certainly when, when you and I retire, it's going to be 68 by the time the state will actually start contributing towards providing for us. We've got a long time to go to 68. So who knows what the, what other changes are going to make between now and then? Will it go to 69, 70? I don't know. You can never really start too young when it comes to pension. Again, pensions is a horrible word because when you think of pensions, and I do a lot of presentations around the country and I do presentations to young people or old people, different, different sectors of the market. And when you think of the word pension, I mean, I can ask you now, Connor, what comes into your mind when you think of pension? Well, it's, it's not sex anyway. No, it's not sex. No, definitely, <laughs> definitely not. Or no. fun even. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, you think of old, dusty old people. Dusty like. old people going to the post office to pick up, a, you know, pick up the few bob and that, that, that's it. Like it's where, where I'm working in the pensions industry a long time now. So I've been lucky. I actually joined New Ireland when I was 18. So I'm 22 years in, in, in New Ireland in the same company, which some people could think is, is crazy, is mad, you know, that, but it's, it's worked for me. And the benefit of what I've had is, is that the company forced me into a pension at 21. Like forced sounds like a terrible word. I'm paying into a pension since I'm 21, but I've never, uh, 19 years now. Yeah. And my company have been paying in on top of that as well. So if anybody, who, any of your listeners who have an opportunity to join their pension scheme, where the employer is actually going to match their contribution, I mean, it's a fantastic way of saving for the retirement. So yeah. So let's dig down into that. Why? Why is it such a good investment? Well, okay. Well, A, you're starting young. So again, going back to our, our comment earlier on about the regular saving, the money is coming out of your, it's not, it's not even going into your bank account. So typically, if you're saving and your employer has made this provision for you, the money is coming directly from your salary. So actually, your net pay, the money that goes into your bank account, the pension contribution is gone from that. So, which is great because straight away, you're not missing it per se. So by starting young, getting used to it, it could be 100 quid a month. You're getting tax relief on that. And it is an interesting example, and it's a really, really powerful one where so we go back to savings, right? Let's say you want to let's say you want to put hundred quid a month into your savings policy. The hundred quid comes from your after-tax income. So every month you get taxed, then you're putting your hundred quid into your savings policy. With a pension, that hundred euro comes out beforehand. So actually, you're getting tax relief on that money. 
So if you're on the standard rate of tax, so if you're on the 20% rate of tax, that 100 euro contribution to your pension is actually only costing you 80 because the government are effectively giving you a 20% bonus. So you pay 80 in, the government are giving you 20, and then your employer potentially is putting in their 100 euro. So now for your 80 euro, you're actually getting 200 euro a month paid into your pension if it's an employer-sponsored scheme. If you start that early, that's a really, really good way of, of, of building up a fund. So now for your 80 euro every single month that's coming out of your salary, 200 euros going into your pension. That's a really key point. If you're on the higher rate of tax, 40%, you're getting 40% tax from it. So your 100 euro is actually only costing you 60, yet you're still getting the 100 plus the employer's 100. So your 60 is actually 200. Fantastic way of, of, of growing your pension. And, and don't think about it as a pension. Think about it as a fund for retirement, a fund for going on your holidays when you retire. I, listen, a slush I, fund. Slush fund, yeah, absolutely. So when I think about pensions, I'm, I'm not thinking the way you're thinking. I'm, I'm thinking, you know what? I'm probably going to have a nice pot of money for when I retire, purely on the basis of starting at, at 20. Now, listen, people start at 40, people start at 50. You, the funny thing about it is people really engage with their pension when they get near 50. Why is that? Because they're going, right, I really got to. They start to get aches and pains and they realize that they're mortal. Yeah, I want to get out. You know, I want to get out at 60. I want to get out at 65. I want to have money. I haven't made any provision. I'm going to start making provision now so that I have money at retirement. If, if, if you do what I did, and I'm again, would I have done it if I wasn't maybe forced into it? Probably not. Um, but being in the industry, you definitely see that there are trends. As you get older, people say, right, I'm going to have to start this. So you as a 27-year-old, like if you haven't done it, there's, you, know, you start now. Really interesting, actually, I was just thinking about this before the podcast. There's, there's compounding. Okay, and compounding is effectively where you're getting a growth on your money every single year. Yes, yeah, so say if you have ten pound comp, or if you, if you have a compound interest and it's at let's say for instance ten percent, mm. you put in a hundred quid, you, you're getting ten percent back on that. You're getting an extra tenner, and then next time you're getting year, man, you're getting it. you're getting interest on a hundred and ten rather exactly. than yeah. So just there's an interesting example just on that ten percent growth rate you mentioned. The ten percent is a high growth rate to yeah, expect, course, yeah. but but there's actually something that we we again when we're presenting to to uh, to some of the members of pension schemes and clients who are interested in saving, is that if you have two savers, so let's say you and I, okay, let's say you're you're clever, you're you're, you're 25, let's say is the example we use, and you put 2,000 euro a year away, okay, and you do that for eight years, right? So just eight years, you've actually accumulated, you've put in 16,000 euro, but that 2,000 euro every year, as as you mentioned, is growing by 10%, and then the following year you're putting in another 2,000 euro in, that's growing by 10% again. So it's all growing on top of each other. Okay, um, at the end of so if we take if we take an individual so you're 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 my example at 25 you started this and you you paid in for eight years only and then you stopped. That 16 grand you paid in has been growing, compounding every single year, but continues to compound even after you've stopped paying in. So your fund at that stage when you stop has grown to 25, just over 25,000 euro because of compounding at 10% every year. But that 25,000 continues to grow by 10% doesn't stop because you stop paying into it it keeps growing so that 25,000 is growing every year and actually at 65 based on 10% every year which is you know unlikely to happen you know you're not going to get that steady consistent high return because markets do fluctuate you're looking at a fund of 584,000 at 65 okay now this is the this is the funny thing right so there you go you start early and let's say you just go for it but once you stop 
this money keeps accumulating as well at 10%. You're still compounding every year at 10%. I, on the other hand, say, well, you contributed from 25 to 32. I jumped in at 33 and I pay two grand a month in every single year to 65, right? Now I've paid in 66,000 euro because you stopped at 16,000 euro. But your fund at that point, as I said earlier, keeps compounding. So it keeps growing by 10% every year. And this goes for pension and it goes for regular savings on the, on the, the one we discussed earlier on. However, me as investor B, who started paying in when you stopped, you stopped at 32, I started at 33, I'll have paid in 66,000 euro. My fund at the same point as your fund will be at 65, will be 480, just shy of 489,000. I've paid in 66,000 every single year. You've paid in 16,000. But you have built your fund up quicker so that your fund at 20, just as I said, at 25,000 will keep growing at 10%. I'll actually never catch up on you because as I'm putting money in, I'm getting closer and closer to my retirement. So I'm not getting that full investment growth on the money that I'm getting close to retirement on, if that makes sense. So the longer you leave it, the more money you're missing out on. Well, exactly. Like they, they say every five years you don't put into a pension, you have your funds. That's a rule of thumb. So every five years you leave it, you have your pension fund. Purely on the basis of investment growth and compounding. So our generation, my generation in particular, is... is Let's go know, with our generation, 27 <laughs> to 40, same thing. Yeah, yeah. but um, our generation is kind of renowned for moving around jobs a lot. Yeah. How does that affect your pension? Yeah, good question. There, there, there are various different types of pension vehicles that once you once you set it up, it kind of moves with you effectively. So you could set up a pension in bonkers today. Um, I won't get into the different types of pensions if I can, if you want, no problem. But yeah, yeah. But we there, can get into that afterwards. Yeah, we can get into that later on. But but there, there, there are pension vehicles that you can set up. But typically, what happens is you move the pension when you move. So you could be in bonkers four or five years, let's say, and you've accumulated a fund of sixty, seventy thousand. You could then transfer that out of bonkers and into your new pension, okay, with your new company, or else you can re you can actually switch it into what's called a retirement bond, which is effectively a pension in your name. You don't contribute to it anymore, it kind of sits in a pot, and then you have that compounding effect on that. So two options, you would bring it with you to your new employer, or you take it out of bonkers and you leave it in what's called a personal retirement bond, which you can't really draw down until you're typically 50. Um, so 50 to 65 is generally when people draw that money down. but. So there's lots of options. So don't ever feel that if you set up a pension today in a particular way where you currently work, there's lots of options from when you look to, to move. You just move that pension pot with you. So. And what's this two-year rule thing then that I heard about? Yeah, I mean, typically the two-year rule is that um, it's called vested rights. So you're entitled to, you, know, you, you would make an agreement with the employer whether you're entitled to their contribution if you leave it in two years. So typically, if you were to leave within two years of joining the company pension, Often, if that, that the, you're not entitled to the employer's contribution, so the employer is entitled to get their refund of contributions at that stage. But it depends on on, on the situation, uh, that, you know, kind of 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 the type of setup that would apply to certain types of pensions as well. So um, we can get into that in more detail, no problem. But realistically, there's, there's a PSA con contract out there, um, and you could go into that, and the employer would pay into that. But there's no two-year rule that would apply there for you. So. Where you see people moving, young people who are in, let's say, the IT sector, they want to move around a lot, typically they might take out a PRSA. Um, and the PRSA is a personal retirement savings account. It is a pension, but it tends to be more transportable into your new employer. And, and, and effectively, when the employer makes the contribution into that pension, 
it's yours. It just sits there. You know, there's there's no kind of employer hold off it. The PSA is effectively a, an agreement between you and the, the insurance company that you place it with. So let's say you move into a new job and they don't offer a pension scheme. Would you still advise setting up a pension? Absolutely. And how? Yeah. How so, would you go about that? So the employer has to put in place a facility for you. Okay. So if they don't have one, your listeners should be talking to your employer about having one in place. So they definitely have to put in place a facility for you. That would be a payroll facility for you. So they, they have to set up so that the money can be deducted from your salary. So like say, like kind of something similar to the bike to work scheme where they just take the cash out of your, your pay every month. Effectively, yeah, yeah, effectively. So, so uh, differences with the bike to work, you, you, you get a bike the next day and you kind of, you get to enjoy your bike. And again, all joking aside, like when, when we talk about pensions, we are talking about making provisions for when you retire. So it's that mindset thing. You buy a car, you get a, you get into your car tomorrow and it's the smell of the leather or your new air freshener or whatever it is you know and your, your new bike you get that the next day with, with a PSA and with a pension obviously it's a long-term game and you just have to get into it and get used to it but if you do join an employer tomorrow that hasn't got a pension scheme in place they don't necessarily have to contribute to it but they definitely have to provide a facility for it to make it easier for you to, to actually join and coming down the track as well is things like auto enrollment that the government will look to introduce as well and auto enrollment is yeah, let's talk about auto enrollment because they're talking about bringing it in, in the UK, and there, there's been you know there's been talk about it being brought in here. Can you yeah, just kind of so describe it? So this is basically where people are just automatically set up into a certain pension. Effectively, it's almost like an opt out. So you they, they, they get you into the pension scheme. They they get you used to the few bob coming out of your 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 salary every month, and they get you used to starting the pension because the 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 difficulty we have here is that you know it's an aging population. So so the state are going to actually have to provide for an awful lot more older people in the future. I think the statistics said that in 60 years time, the ratio of workers to the retired. So at the moment, there are four workers for every person that is retired, whereas that's going to completely subvert and there's going to be one worker for every two retired people in 60 years time. So you think of the pressure that's going to put on the government. And that's what I mentioned earlier on about the state pension going from, like the state pension was 65, 66, now 67, 68. And once the government start on a particular route, they're setting a precedence as well. So will it keep going that way? And I think that's why your listeners should consider, really consider it. And, and I think it's what's really important, Connor, is that you're different to me. Every single listener on this podcast is different to you and I. And it's a personal choice. This is not about what your pal is doing who sits beside you in the office. It's not about that at all. It's about, do you want to make provision for yourself, for your family, for your children in the future? When you, you want to be able to retire, perhaps build up enough of a fund to retire early and say, you know what, I'm not going at 65, 66, 60, whatever it is. I want to go at 60, I want to go 50. I want to, I want to basically set this up so I can get out earlier. So you fund more now. You really have to have that vision to, to, to put yourself. I want to be lying on a beach. I want to go to the Maldives on my holidays. I want to play golf. I want to go away. I, I want to... If the, Mal- if the Maldives are still there, the Ma- well, there you go. <laughs> Very good point. But you got to have that mindset. The mindset is all wrong when it comes to pensions. Mindset is old people. It's put my money into something that's long term that I can't go near until I'm 65, 68. That's not the case. I mentioned a retirement bond earlier. Technically, you could be drawing on your pension at 50. But the problem is you start drawing it at 50, you're going to wipe out your phone very quickly. Again, my generation is fantastic for complaining and, you know, we don't earn a huge amount of money. So a lot of us will kind of turn around and say, I don't earn enough money for, you know, to invest in a pension. Is that a myth? 
Yeah, I mean, of course it is. If you're getting tax relief, as I said earlier on, so I mean, depending on, on like, there's really no other better way of saving. You're getting tax relief on your contributions. So, and, and, and the employer, as I said earlier on, is contributing as well. But you, you, you know, you've got to think of, you're not earning enough money to take out a pension. Okay, don't do it. You're dead right. You're not earning enough money. You can't afford it. Don't do it. Because if you can't afford it, don't put yourself in a situation where you, 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 you know, you're you going to start putting money into something that you're going to have to cancel six months later because you just can't do it. you got to be realistic here and say... But like, say even like 10 or 20 quid a month, is that... Of course it is. I mean, anything you can start on is, is, is going to get you used to... It's a mindset. Get you used to savings. Get you used to that money coming out of your salary or your whatever it is, your bank account every month. Get used to it. Start Start with a little bit if you can, and build that little bit up um, because it's definitely going to make sense. I mean, we talk about affordability. Can you afford not to have one? So I don't know what your salary is going to be when you retire. I don't know what my salary is going to be when you retire. But if you're, if you're retiring today, okay, you made no pension provision. You're 65. You know, you, you worked in bonkers from 27 to 65. <laughs> Based on that smile, I don't know. We're gonna make it to sixty-five. But, but yeah, if, but, but, for those of you can't, who can't listen, I shuddered audibly. <laughs> so let's say you, you you get to sixty-five. You had a, you had a great time. You, you just enjoyed yourself, and you just mentioned we didn't make any provision for pension because you always said I can't afford it. The next day, you jump on if it's available to state pension, hmm. which currently is twelve thousand nine hundred a year. So a good way of looking at it is what's your current income versus what would your income be tomorrow. You're earning forty grand a year. You're on the state. The state pension the next day is twelve thousand nine hundred. Yeah. So how are you going to make up that difference? Like you're 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 down twenty seven grand. So you're yeah. So effectively, not investing into this is is not only leaving money on the table, but also it's kind of taking money out of your pocket in the future. Mm, exactly. So can can I can you afford not to do it? Is a better way of looking at it than can I afford it? It is difficult just getting used to it. Now, there might be even like kind of um, people who are, you know, kind of more business minded who are thinking, oh, I, I might need to save in a savings account because maybe sometime in the future I might want to invest in a business or maybe sometime in the future I might have some unexpected um, expenditure or, you know, cost or whatever. You can access your pension early. Yeah, I mean, what I mentioned earlier on was this personal retirement bond. So if you come out of your company pension scheme, let's say, and you put your fund into a personal retirement bond, you can actually access that from age 50, typically, okay? Um, So yes, potentially. Now, you wouldn't be able to access all of it. You might be able to access a quarter of it tax-free and things like that. You may want to pay tax on the balance. It really depends on your situation. We don't recommend that you try and draw your pensions down early. Pensions are a longer-term game because... The more you can accumulate and build up a good pot of money when it comes to retirement, then you've got, you know, you're at 65, you've got the next 20 plus years ahead of you where you've got to make that money work for you. Okay, so you've got to invest that money and you've got to make sure that money works for you to, to so that you have got a, a good lifestyle in your retirement. Yes, do, do I have to make other provisions? I want to, I want to set up a company. I mean, that's, your immediate plans could be, I want to set up a company, I, I, I want to start saving money because I know in five years I'm going to need a lump sum of money to, to help me set up my business but maybe that's your focus for the next five years then you set up your business and your business is successful now you can put an awful lot more money into your pension so everybody as I said on, on who's listening on this podcast are different we're all different we all have different ways of thinking you just got to get it into your mindset and somewhere if I have a pension is it just a pension we get a lot of that I've got a pension how much are you putting in? 
100 quid a month. Well, 100 quid a month by 12 is 1,200 quid a year, you know, by your term to retirement, obviously with some investment. Like, is that fund actually going to achieve what you want to achieve when you retire? Like, you've got to have, a, you got to say, I want to have 30, 40 grand a year when I retire or whatever the figure might be. How much do I have to put in to get there? Okay, so I think the mindset is in steps. A, affordability, can I start? B, do I have other things I need to do with this money now, but I do still have a mindset in five years time when the business is up and running, please God, it's successful. I can put more money in there. But when you do start to focus on your pension, don't just say, and your listeners, plenty of your listeners are gonna have a pension, but do they have a pension that's going to actually achieve what they want to achieve when they retire? And again, as I said to you earlier on, it's really when people start hitting 50, 55, and they see the, the retirement age is on the horizon, that's when they start saying, yeah, now I've got to really start funding and putting everything into it. But you start and you chip away at that big pot of money and you just chip away. You know, as I say, the best way to eat an elephant is in small Yeah, bites. one bite at a time. Two more things. Charges will be applied to you by various investment, uh, various different pension companies. Is that something important to consider when you're thinking about a pension? Yeah, absolutely. You, 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 you definitely need to consider um, what the charges are. But, but again, when you're, when you're dealing with financial advisors who aren't linked to any particular uh, insurance company, let's say. So if you have an ind independent financial advisor, the likes of bonkers.ie, they can go and they can research the market and see what the various different, and, and listen, you have to pay charges on these things because you've got fund managers that you're paying for in the background. And what a fund manager does is, a fund manager would, would invest your money. So you give New Ireland 100 quid today. We got to invest that money for you so that 100 euro grows and continues to grow into the future. So there's fund managers involved there who their job is, is to pick the right stocks and shares, to pick the right bonds. So typically your investments would have different asset classes, they're called. So you would have equities, which are property, or sorry, equities, which are stocks and shares. You'd have property, you'd have bonds, which are government bonds, corporate bonds, and then you'd have cash, which typically would be a safe haven. And what you're investing in would be a mixture of those. So there are charges on, on, on pensions, but it's about the charges are really about administering the pension, but more importantly, the fund manager getting involved, a good fund manager that's going to get a, eke out a good return for you on your money as well. So, so that brings me on to my second question, which is you said you kind of, you, you kind of um, touched on it there. Your money is going into a pot, which is effectively being invested in various different yeah. funds. Yeah. So be it equities, be it cash, whatever. Those are still volatile. Those are markets that can go up as well as down. Should people be worried about the risk involved? Good question. Um, and we get that a lot. It's an interesting one because there are there's a number of factors that you have to consider when it comes to investing. I mentioned earlier on about the time horizon. So you're talking about the time. Well, if it's a pension, you've no choice. It's 60 or 65 typically. But when you have a time horizon shorter than that, that's when volatility and highs and lows in the market come more into play. So if you think about it, if you start today and you're buying in on a monthly basis, you buy a, you buy units in a fund, okay? And let's say your unit is worth one euro and you, you, you put 100 euro into that. You buy 100 units. Okay, very simple and straightforward. And as the market performance increases, that unit price goes up, that unit price goes to 110, 120, 125, whatever it is, and you've got your 100 units. Now your 100 units 
are not worth 100 euro, they're worth 125 euro. And that's basically how it works. Very simple like that. So you're buying in on a monthly basis. And, and when you think of investing, all you want to think of is markets going up because that's really important because we want to see our money grow, which is absolutely correct. However, if you have a longer term, if you have a longer term horizon and you're buying in on a monthly basis, there's, there's I think called euro cost averaging. And what that is, is you're not putting in 10 grand on day one. You're putting in an amount every single month. So if your one euro goes to 110, you're actually buying less units for your 100, you know, your 100 euro you're putting in because it's gone to the price of that unit has increased. Um, so actually you, you do want to see as you save, if you have a, if you have a pension and you've got 20 plus years to go to your time, you actually want to see a bit of volatility because if markets go down and it's, well, absolutely. So it means that your 100, your 100 euro you're putting in is buying a unit now for 80 cent. Now you're not buying 100 units, you're, you're buying more than 100 units. And then as that price goes back up, you're, you're, you've actually accumulated more units if you see a bit of a downturn. So actually, and this is a great analogy, like when's the best time, perhaps your listeners might might think about this in their own head, but when's the best, when, when do we see the majority of sale, of, of purchases happening in retail outlets is... I'm giving away the answer is true sales. You know? So so basically the prices are low. So we will summer sales, you know, Christmas sales. And what, what happens at the shops? They are jammed because people want to get value for money. On the flip side, when you see markets correct and you see markets fall, what do people do? I don't want this stuff anymore. I want to get out. They they offload it, they get out at the wrong time, or they stop contributing into their pension because they see it as a bad investment. But actually what's happening is, is that there's a fire sale going on. This is the prices could be down 20, 30, 40%. That's your chance to actually accumulate more units in your fund, be it a regular saver or be it a pension. So and when it goes back up, absolutely. And you're going to have market cycles where markets go up and they come back down. And we've had a really long market cycle of, of positive returns. And when I'm talking to room a room full of people, and they could be in the pharmaceutical sector, they could be in the IT sector, whatever it is, you are saying to them is that I'm showing you strong performance and the strong performance has been great. There's nothing wrong with seeing, assuming you're not retiring tomorrow or within the next few years, and that's another thing I'll just come back to, but, but when you have a longer term horizon, actually seeing a market correction for a regular investor who's going in every single month, it's actually not a bad thing. It's when you're coming closer to when you actually need the money. So you go back to our comments earlier on about the time frame. If you're saving for a car and you've got a, or let's say deposit on a house, and you know you want that deposit there, you need to you need to save up 40 grand, whatever it is for your deposit on the house. You can be a little bit risky in the earlier years because you can take more risk because if the markets are a little bit choppier, you're buying in and, and you're doing well. Um, even if the markets are going down, you're still buying your units at a cheaper price. But as markets start to recover and go up, let's say, you want to protect yourself against that wobble again. So as you get closer to when you need your money, we would certainly suggest you look to de-risk your investment. So come out of those equities, those stocks and shares that are more volatile and move back into more secure assets, typically like cash or bonds or perhaps property, which more stable, steady, so that it almost like it secures your, your investment when you get to the point when you need it. And we do the same on pensions. So actually, as you get closer to your retirement age, we have a lifestyle strategy that actually de-risks your investment in the background to more stable assets as you get closer to retirement. So you take the risk in the earlier years and reduce your risk down to when you need it most. Your money isn't just coming into one place. It is being diversified into a couple of different things to safeguard you, isn't it? Yeah. Well, again, 
yes and no so it depends on, on so your listeners could be invested in so one of the asset classes that, that astounds us is property like property crash 08 09 the market collapsed yeah yeah exactly well who knows but but people went straight back out and they're buying houses again so you think about it you've got money to invest do you diversify across stocks and shares property bonds cash you know gold or all these other different asset classes that are available to your investors to invest in so you diversify across these so typically they're non-correlated which means if something goes up something else might come down or vice versa so if you see the equity market fall typically you might see the bond market rise so if you have a good spread and diversify across these different asset classes that'll work out well for you if you lump all your money into property there's only one asset class you're invested in and if anything happens to the property market you have you have concentrated all your money on one thing one asset class which we don't typically recommend so if your listeners are listening in perhaps they have property but have, perhaps they have other investments there they may take the view that I'm going to have my property over here I'm going to invest in maybe in equities and bonds and in the likes of cash or gold or whatever um, so there's lots of different ways to, to, to look at it so yes we would certainly diversify your money another key point is is that there are risk questionnaires you can do and again um, jump onto bonkers.ie and we'll be able to you know, access risk questionnaires that, that will actually you, a, you answer a range of 10 to 15 questions and it'll say Connor you are a risk 3 out of 7 which means you're kind of low to medium or you might be a 6 out of 7 that's you, the lowest risk I've ever uh, what would be your risk if I said to you now Connor 1 to 7 you've got 100 grand to invest tomorrow 1 to 7 where do you go as in is this how much risk I want to take with it yeah okay so you can so, just kind of so go so you, you can choose so you could say you know what 27 100 grand i don't want to look at it for 10 years well then your risk appetite might be higher mm. because you have a longer term however if you have 100 grand and you're saying to yourself i want to set up my own business next year give me one yeah you know and that and, so, and that's why your listeners will be one to seven they'll be everywhere in between typically the majority of investors come in at three to four you know, well you ask an irish person where are you between one to seven they'll tend to say three to four you know we want to be somewhere in the middle we, we we don't want to take too much risk but we want to take enough risk it, it, it's it's a really it's actually really interesting you know because the, like you might say i want to go risk rated one because i want to take no risk at all but that's cash that's deposit you get no return on that so you, you give us 100 grand you put it in cash you get no return in fact there'll be charges on that so there could actually be a one percent charge coming off that every single year to manage that money for you and then on the other side you've got inflation so if we start seeing inflation go up what's going to happen to your money the value of your money will come down so you put a you know 100 100 euro under your bed 10 years ago you take it out today and you got right i still got that money but you can't get anywhere near what you could have got 10 years ago for that 100 euro so inflation if inflation starts kicking in your deposit so your 100 grand is achieving nothing for you yet the cost of your groceries utilities you know the fuel for your car your subscription fees everything is going up or there's an interesting one called shrinkflation and shrinkflation is like walnut whip like someone's telling me recently there's no walnut on a walnut whip anymore it's too expensive like your yorkie bar used to I, like it used to be a square i think for every single letter still allow girls have it <laughs> i know mad, like, but 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 everything has got smaller so they still charge the same price a really interesting one next time your listeners are in a supermarket you can't buy a two litre of coke anymore or two litre of fanta or any of these things yeah why are they all 1.5 but they liter? still charge you the same price 
So they give you less volume for the same price. So you think I'm not being ripped off. They're still charging me two quid for a bottle of Coke or whatever it is. But they've taken 250 milliliters out of the bottle without telling you. So they call it the trinkflation. So it's, it's, it's an interesting way. Of Another it. thing as well that our generation has to be cognizant of is a lot. We tend to move around a lot. So some of us are going to emigrate. What would be kind of the protocol there? Like, let's say we were investing in a pension here before we emigrated. Like, can we access that when we come back or? Yeah, good question. It, it depends on what, what your plans are. So, so if you build up a fund and then you emigrate and you're off and you're working elsewhere, um, and perhaps you're paying into a pension in whatever country you're in, let's say, and then you have to take into account, can you get that back? Or what are the rules around getting that money back into Ireland? And are there double taxation issues there as well? So again, there are considerations you have to make. But if you've accumulated a fund here, so we're, we're, we, we've noticed now that people have accumulated funds here, substantial funds. Um, and what we do in that situation is, is that if you have a pension with New Ireland and you've actually left the country, we will still allow you to retire that money out and then you could bring that money back into the country that you're in. So it just depends on the individual, depends on what country you're in as well, as, to as opposed to the, the revenue position as well around tax. So you've accumulated the fund, you've got the tax relief here. So I mentioned tax relief earlier on. Your fund has been growing tax-free. So at the end, the government would like to, you know, see some kind of, there could be taxation on the, on the income you draw from that pension at retirement. How would that work then if you're, currently working in a different country. If you're back in Ireland and you're back resident in Ireland, so you went off for four or five years, you you, you did what you had to do in, in terms of whatever your, your work experience was. So then you come you come back. We spoke earlier on about compounding. Your 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 30, 40 grand fund that you left here, hopefully when you get back in five years time, has grown to 40, 50, 60, whatever the fund is, how the markets have invested, have worked out for you, so and how the money is. You can still earn money despite oh, you still, oh, absolutely. Paying, paying into it. The pension just is just paid up, and you continue to stay invested in those asset classes we mentioned earlier on. So it really is, again, depends on your own situation. Take out a pension now, you work here, you accumulate a fund, you move employer, that's fine. You bring the money with you, if that's what you want to do to the new employer, or you set up that retirement bond we said earlier on, or else you migrate, you move away for a few years, you leave the pension pot here and it continues to grow, assuming you have it in kind of growth assets like we spoke about earlier on, like your stocks and shares and property and what have you. And then when you come back, you could either maybe start paying into that pension again or move it to your current employer that you would at that stage. Lots of things you can do. Again, don't think of them as these blocks that are unchained to my employer if I have a pension. It's not the case at all. We see pensions moving around all the time. Now, is there anything else you want to kind of cover before we wrap this up? The only really, I'm doing this, I'm just, I'm doing it a long time, right? I said to you earlier, on, 22 years, I'm only 40. Like, I'm a young 40, I like to think of. You don't look it. Don't have tears, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. <laughs> you were fishing for that for a while. Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. Just just for men is, is a, yeah, my, my tip. Like, it's, it's, I've, like, I've been through a market cycle. So I've, I've been through 07, 08. Leading up to 07, 08, it was a shine boy giving you all the top tips as to what stocks we're investing in. It's not about that. It's not about picking the right stocks. It's about actually investing. And if you can, investing some, but often. Get used to the money coming out. Don't be afraid if you are investing to, to take, if you have a longer term horizon, to take a bit more risk because you're not putting 
10 grand in on day one, you're putting 500 quid a month in, whatever it is. So that money, as I said earlier on, is buying units on a regular basis. So as you see markets go up and down, well, that's okay because you're building up your number of units. So invest, get used to it. Little, a little is better than nothing, especially on the pension side. Don't feel a pension is something that is a bad word. Get involved in it. Think of it as a retirement savings plan that you're getting tax relief on. If your employer has a pension that you haven't joined yet, join it if you can, If you, especially if they're making a contribution because typically they might match your contribution. And as I gave you that example earlier on, if you're getting tax relief on what you're putting in, you've got the 100 euro that, that's, that you're paying in, it's only costing 60 potentially, and you've got the employer's 100 euro, so you're getting 200 euro going into your pension every single month, and it's costing you 60. There's nothing out there, absolutely nothing out there that gets anywhere near it. Like for 60, even if you've got no investment return on that, 60 equals 200 every month. It's, it's free money. It's definitely something to consider, but get used to it. And that's all I can tell your listeners to do is that there is no, like nobody's invested in the always up fund. Markets will move up and down. Get used to that money coming out of your salary early. So when you get paid, if it's a regular saver, get it out early because you will get used to it. And you know what? You could have it increasing a little bit every year. And you before you know it, you're, you've accumulated 10, 15, 20 grand, and you will not even know where that has come from because you've got used to that regular savings. And, and it's, as I said, it's just about getting it into, you know, getting used to your monthly income after some, no quick fix. You gotta do it, you gotta use it. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's from, from the financial services perspective, there's nothing that, that, it would be wrong of me to talk about different funds that have performed really, really well. And it's about, everybody is different. Everybody has, a different time horizon, a different need for the money, different affordability. Um, but they are, they are key factors when it comes to investing any money. It's not about where do I find the best funds that's going to perform the best because the fund who performs 20% this year, positively, could perform 20% negatively next year. So you gotta invest in something that you're comfortable investing in. I mentioned one to seven earlier on. Consider that, okay? But the time horizon, your attitude to risk, what you need the money for and when you need it. I mean, they're all key factors. There is no silver bullet. So Greg, where do people find out more about your stuff? Uh, is it newireland.ie? Yeah, newireland.ie. Um, so there's some really good stuff on, on newireland.ie. We, we, uh, we have a fund center, so you can go on and you can look at the various different funds that we have. So we've categorized them in different risk categories, different colors, obviously red being more aggressive and, and higher risk back to kind of yellow and green, which would be safer. So jump on there, have a look at some of the fund performance of our funds, click on the funds. And um, there's a very good pensions calculator in there that, that you should have a look at. Very simple, easy to use. You dial up what your contribution you'd like to make it, or you could even put in what your target fund is and see how much you'd have to pay in to get there. Just about about kind of making pensions more realistic. So the challenge you have is, is that how, do I, how much do I need to put in to get to where I want to be? That pensions calculator is really, really useful. Um, and speak to the likes of bonkers.ie as well because the, the guys will be able to talk to you about the various different products that might suit you. So we've, we've got a very good literature library there which will give you plenty of information about the various different products that we have, funds that we have, um, just to see which one is most suitable to you. But we really do recommend if you are considering investing in a pension or a regular savings account that you do seek independent advice um, through the likes of bonkers.ie because they will be able to, as I said earlier on, research the market, give you advice around the, the attitude to risk, so how much risk you should really take. 
your term to when you need the money. And those things are really, really important. Um, but from my own point of view, newireland.ie, plenty of stuff there. Uh, jump on. You can't break it. Move around. Have a look at the pension calculator. Have a look at the investment center as well. Um, and any queries you have, um, please go back to bonkers.ie and we can <laughs> we can field any questions that you have as well. Yeah, absolutely. If you want to check out any, um, any pension-related stories that we have on our website, make sure to check out our blog and subscribe to our newsletter as well, which goes out every month and has the roundup of all of the news from the world of consumer affairs and personal finance. That is it for this episode of Bonkers Guide to Adulting. I want to thank Greg Dixon of New Ireland. Thanks so much, Greg. Thanks, Bill. Uh, we will be back, hopefully, in a fortnight's time with another podcast. Thank you so much. I've been Connor Dever.